Yeah. Right after I'm done. Perfect. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Hi, everybody on Instagram. I hope you see me well. Um, okay. We are on chapter 50, 50, five, zero. Crazy. Um, and this is the last of the chapters talking about what was the section that we've been discussing. The methods and the um, specifics on what to meditate to create specific emotions, right? We want to create the emotions of love and awe. What exactly do we meditate on to get there? And in, if you remember in chapter 16 and 17, we were introduced to the, to the concept of meditation. But what, what we said in chapter 16 is that we have to create our feelings and our emotions through thought. But it didn't tell us specifics. It didn't tell us exactly what to think about. Now is where we are, we're culminating the chapters of all the different, we learned many different kind of um, meditations and different things to think about to create the different emotions of love and awe. So being that we're wrapping up this section, we have one more class to finish up this part of Tanya, but we're wrapping up this section. I'm going to quick, yeah, last week we reviewed a little bit more extensively, but today I want to just quickly, quickly, quickly take us through the timeline of everything since chapter 41 from this big chunk, this big section, and then we'll do chapter 50. And we will, we will wrap up this particular idea and section. Okay, so 41. We um, learned that awe has to be the basis of our motivation for serving Hashem, right? Between the two emotions of love and awe, which has to come first? The awe. That has to be our foundation. 42, we learned about the internal Moshe, the internal Moshe beta that we have inside of us. What is the internal Moshe? Das. Yay! Das. <laughs> Our um, focus, right? The ability to focus on something abstract enough to make the, this abstract concept concrete, concrete enough to create an emotion from it, right? That is huge. That's a huge um, ability that we have gifted from Moshe Rabbeinu. 43, we spoke about two levels of love, two levels of awe. 44, we spoke about two more levels of love, which is two hybrid loves, right? The loves that combine, you have to work at it, but it also you have it intrinsically. It's both. 44, we talked, oh, no, that was 44. 45, we talked about compassion to get to our love. Like if, we're, if we have a hard time accessing and activating the love straight up, we can go through compassion to get to love. 46, we spoke about the principle of reciprocal love, right? If you feel loved, then you will feel loving. 47, we talked about um, the concept of the exodus of Egypt, right? Which is what we use to create that reciprocal love, but we applied it, instead of it being something that happened thousands of years ago that we sort of can't relate to, we applied it to our day-to-day -day lives, how every single person can have the exodus from Egypt concept in their lives all the time. What is that idea? Transcending our nature. Transcending our nature is our own exodus of Egypt. 48, we discussed symptom. Symptom is the way of arouse, another way of arousing that reciprocal love, right? Understanding that God constricted himself to such a degree because he loves us, right? And so then we feel loving in return. And 49, um, we talked about the fact that we want to love Hashem the same way he loves us. So how does Hashem love us? By making himself smaller. This was last week. And how do we return that love? By making ourselves a little smaller. By giving up something of our physical lives to serve Hashem. E it's not rocket science to do, although it doesn't mean it's easy, but how do we do that? How do we show Hashem that we're making ourselves smaller to give up for him by learning Torah and doing mitzvahs? Okay, so that brings us to today, currently, chapter 50, okay? So we have one more method 
of um, revealing the emotion of love. Um, and it's a little bit of a different kind of love. Okay, so until now, we've been speaking about one type of love um, or many different types of love, but that fit into one category that have the same characteristics. And today we're going to be talking about an exception to the rule um, that this love doesn't have the same characteristics as all the other loves. Okay, so what do we mean? Until now, even though we talked about different levels of love, right, we already know about four or five different levels of love, but they all share the same characteristics, that they all come from the right side of our heart, right? And it's all about um, bringing Hashem closer to us, right? Bringing Hashem into this world. Um, um, awe and fear comes from the left side, and that's all about making ourselves smaller because we want to be, we want to like leave our body to go up to Hashem, right? So there's two, the, these, are, these are the general characteristics of love and up. But this chapter, we're going to talk about a love that falls uncharacteristically to the left axis, to the left side. Right. So it's a love that normally would come from the right side of our heart, which normally would want to be drawing God down here on earth. But this love is coming from the left side and has left side like characteristics. So we're going to understand more about how that works. But that's the unique quality of this love. OK, so another characterization of uh, the difference between love and awe is um, many times we refer to the Kohen um, that embodies love and chesed, kindness, and the Levi that embodies awe and gvura, strength, okay? Why? Why does the, the Kohen embody chesed and the Levi embody strength? So the Levi is all about the singing, right? We, we, we heard, and when we study about the, the temple and the Beis HaMikdash, we always learn about the Levium, how they played instruments and they stood on the steps of the Beis HaMikdash and they would sing praises to Hashem, right? So I'm gonna explain in a few minutes why that's related to Gvura, okay? Chesed, is like I said before, is taking godliness from up above and drawing it down to this world. Okay, so we want to take, um, we want to take, is this why you love singing so much? Probably. I'm, I'm a Livy. <laughs> yeah? It's You're a Livy. Yeah, for real? I'm a Livy. I'm a Livy. Amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> um, so, okay, so chesed, kindness, and drawing close, right? Chesed is drawing close. We want to take God from up there and bring him down here so we can enjoy and everybody else around him can enjoy. Gvura is the opposite. Gvura is longing. It's like a yearning to leave our bodies, to make ourselves smaller, right? We, when we talked about the meditations of awe, we spoke a lot about this concept. We want to make ourselves smaller because we want to, we wanted to go from down here and rejoin God up there. So it's an upward movement. Right? So when the Levium are singing, the singing represents this yearning and longing for Hashem. Okay? So, so when, they, when you are singing and praising Hashem, you are yearning to reconnect with Hashem. You want to almost like an out-of-body experience. You want to go from up, from down here to up there. Right? And um, chesed is when you want to bring Hashem from up there to down here, okay? So another metaphor for this, and we're going to keep kind of building on these metaphors, and then I'll, I'll chart it out for you. Um, fire and water, right? Chesed is always compared to water because water flows downward, right? The, the natural flow of any liquid is downward. And also you can't stack water. Right? You can't stack a liquid on top of a liquid. If, if it's not in a container or frozen, 
it's not, and then that, and then it's a solid, right? Then it's not a liquid anymore. It just, you can't, it, it's flow. It needs to be free. It, it has no form or shape. Fire, what does it want to naturally do? Go up. It, wants to, it, it, it flickers upward. Fire wants to constantly unite with its source, which uh, many, many chapters ago, and I don't know if you remember, but we said the source of fire is in the moon and we want to, we want to, attach and connect to it right it was a whole scientific thing we didn't get too much into it but the source of fire is above and it constantly wants to reattach itself okay so before we continue we have two charts we're creating we have right side left side okay we have although right side left side whatever right side left side we have um uh love and awe right Chesed and Gvura, kindness and, and severity. We have Kohen and Levi. And we have fire, water, sorry, water and fire, right? See how all these things come together. Do you guys want me to write it on a chart or you're good? We're good. We're good? You got it. Okay. So do you see all the different components we keep adding to these two to these two opposites, right? These two different sides of the spectrum. Okay, we're adding one more. We have silver and gold. Kesef and Zahav. Kesef is compared to um, the. Okay, actually, it's not gonna. I just want to make sure I, 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 I give this over properly. Kesef, we're going to compare to the regular love that we've been talking about. And Zahav, gold, we're going to, com com we're going to compare this um, love, this new love that doesn't fit into the regular category. Okay. So it's not about love and awe, but we're gonna talk about the difference between the regular loves we've been talking about and this unique love that defies the regular norm, okay? So, um, one second. So this type of love is, is a very uncharacteristic and unusual because what this type of, and I'm going to come back to the silver and gold in a minute, but this type of love is, um, comes from the automatically starts off with a paradox because it comes from the left side, which is already counterintuitive because love always comes from the right side. And what this love is, it's a fiery, passionate love. Um, and this love causes you to want to have an out-of-body experience and leave your body and connect to God, okay? So it's an upward movement. What, do all, what are all other loves? What do they have all in common? They're a downward movement, right? You wanna bring Hashem from up here and bring him down. This love, although it's a love, which this is what all usually does, this love creates this desire out of love, right? Not out of awe, not out of fear, but out of love to have this huge out-of-body experience and connect to its source above. So you want to, it's, it's, it's again, it's a making smaller kind of situation, which is usually counterintuitive for a love, okay? Um, so how does this happen? How is there a love that's an upward movement, which equals self-restraint? right? We always talked about the love that it's expansive, it's giving, you want, it makes you bigger, right? And here we're saying that this love is an upward movement, it's self-restraint, it, it causes us to want to make ourselves smaller, it's an upward movement, right? All the things that love usually doesn't have, okay? So let's talk a little bit about this feeling that it elicits and we'll understand how this happens through that. So this love, you love Hashem so much that you just want to join him, right? The, the love is so strong, so fiery, so passionate that you want to just become one with Hashem. 
And there's a Hebrew term called Kleis Hanefesh. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of it, Kleis Hanefesh. It is the, like the, the, almost like the, I don't actually know the exact translation, but it's like this out of body experience. The, the, the soul wants to just like evaporate up into the air. Okay. What's an example of, okay. So what's a very good example of Kleist Hanafesh and this fiery love that causes this outcome is the, sorry, the example, the two boys, yes. two boys, Aaron's two sons, right? They went into the Holy of Holies. They loved Hashem so much. They felt this, such this burning intense desire and passion for Hashem that they literally died, right? Their souls left their body literally and died. So we're going to understand why we don't want this to be the outcome, right? How this love actually doesn't, um, create that outcome. We can still have this kind of love and still live here in this world. And we're going to talk about how that happens, but they weren't able to stop it. And they left this world because of this love. Okay. So, um, you, you love Hashem so much that you don't want to be separate from him, right? You don't want to be a separate being. You just want to be one with Hashem. Okay. And it's, and it's not, it's not enough for this love to just bring godliness down here because it's still a limiting experience, right? You're no matter how, which way we twist it, bringing down godliness to this world limits Hashem. And we're going to, we're going to reiterate and understand why it needs to be that way. But remember when we're in this state of this fiery passion of love, logic doesn't there's no, you can't logistically work your way out of this, right? Like when you're super passionate and you are consumed by this intense feeling, logic makes no sense. So we can logically talk ourselves out of this, but if you're in this passion, you're just, nothing's going to matter. It doesn't matter that Hashem wants you down here. It doesn't matter that this is our mission. Like you're, you're, you're just, you can't contain yourself, right? You just need to like be one. So, um, no arguing is going to like get you back down. No like logical back and forth in your head is really going to work, right? Um, you just don't, you don't, you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to tell anyone about it. You don't want to share it. Like what's the beautiful thing about, ches what's the beautiful thing about love and chesed and bringing the love down here is that it's not only you who's experiencing it, right? It's, you got to share it with the world, right? When you bring Hashem down here, it affects everybody, not just you. But when you're in this state, that doesn't mean anything to you. You don't, you're not thinking about long-term ramifications. You're not thinking about how you can serve everybody else. You're thinking about my soul needs to be one with God right now. Like I can't even, I can't even be here. Right. I was just, just having a conversation with my daughter, Shoshana, who's a teenager. And we were talking about you know, we were reminiscing about last year and some of the choices that she made. And she's like, I don't even know, like, why I made those choices. And I said, well, part of it is like this teenage brain where like you want something right then and you want it and you're going to do it and you're not going to have the ability to think about long term ramifications. Right. That's a teenage brain. Everybody goes through that. Right. You can. You, you, yeah. If you would think logically that this isn't going to play out good, well for me. Right and you can have that back and forth in your brain, then you might be able to control yourself. But the whole point is, is that you're not available for those logical conversations because you're, you're just thinking about what I need right now, what feels good for me right now. So it's almost like the teenage brain love, right? It's almost like, don't try to convince me that bringing Hashem down here is better. Don't try to convince me that this is ultimately what Hashem wants. That all of that flies out the window when you're in the throes of this passionate love that just is burning you up and you're just like, get me out of here. Right? So that's what we're talking about. So, um, so how does, how does even, how does even this love come about? Like, how do you even get here? Right? Like you, we know that emotions come from where? Our thoughts, right? So what are we thinking that's getting us to the point that we're feeling so intensely, right? It has to start from a thought process. So we're, so what are we thinking about? We're thinking about the greatness of Hashem, 
and how everything else is insignificant, right? And to the point where we only, because everything else doesn't matter, we only care about Hashem, right? And not, it's, we're not, basically what happens is, is that because we're so hyper-focused on God and what, and, and we only care about God, that everything else is a, as a distraction and we're not distracted by it. If you think about everything else that is in this world, that's not God, right? It's not visibly God because everything is, we know everything is God at this point, but that's not visibly God is a distraction, right? It's there to distract us on purpose. But when you're so in tune with your God connection and you're so in tune with God and, and so in tune with the fact that everything else is insignificant, you're not distracted by anything else, right? So there's no division, right? You're not distracted by the things that want to try to divide you from God. And this is this, and then it, 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 in it leads and inspires this fiery love, this year, this such an intense yearning um, for the love, like a candle's flame that wants to just go up, right? Now, you may have a question because we've had um, experiences and we've, we've learned about levels of love that's only like tzaddik capable, right? So the Tanya wants to make sure we know that this is not only for a tzaddik, this kind of love, actually, everybody can do. There's no limit. There's nothing that limits you and me from doing this love, for experiencing this love. It's just the thought, being able to go down that thought process and that trajectory and, and, and being able to meditate enough to create these intense emotions, right? But this is not like Ava Raba, where it's a gift from God and only a tzaddik really experiences it, right? Remember when we talked about that one? That's the love that's a gift that you really can't do much to get it. You just, it's a gift from God once you reach a certain level. That's not here. This is a love that is attainable for all of us. And if you would wanna equate um, a modern term for it, it would be called lovesick, right? You know, in the movies and all, and, and all these, you know, books, they portray this um, intense, immense, passionate love um, that, you know, two people can have for each other and they're they literally can make you sick. This is the godly version. This is the godly version of love sick. Okay. So, whoa, I really didn't even pause to see if any of you guys have questions. Um, how are we doing so far? Any questions? If you're thinking of God about 75 or 80% of the time of in the day, in your day, that's that's being lovesick, no? Um, or or they're almost yes, yes. I think that you are. If that person would be definitely closer to this kind of experience than somebody who's not thinking about God eighty percent of the day. But I just want to say that there's many different ways to think about God, right? So you can be thinking about God and creating, you know. Avas Olam, right? The worldly love or Ava, you know, like there's many different loves that you can be creating, even though you're thinking about God 80% of the day, it doesn't mean you're thinking about God this particular way. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But the, the, the volume of how much that person is thinking about God will definitely get you here way sooner, way faster and way more accessible. Because you're conditioned to be thinking about God so much that eventually you're going to be thinking about God this way. Yeah, I mean, if you do it without really knowing that you're doing it, it's just it just happens no matter. Right. So I would say creating this kind of, of love would have to be a little bit more of an intentional process. Because in order to create such a passionate experience, it's not going to just happen by, by habit right? It's gonna, you're going to have to put in a lot of intention to get to such an intense um, outcome. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. So let me, and please feel free to interrupt or type in the chat box, um, Instagram. You also can type in the comments if you have questions, okay? Like, please feel free to interrupt and stop my monologue. <laughs> um, okay. So in the future, so this is a very piece of, this is a very interesting piece of information. 
in the future, the world we will be categorized by Gvura and not Chesed. Okay? And the Levim are going to become the Kohanim. Okay, so let's, let's go. Kohanim, aren't the, don't the Kohanim come from the Levim to begin Kohanim with? Kohanim and the Levim come from the same family, but okay. they're still different lineage a little bit, right? They have still a little bit of a different um, an ancestry, right? They're coming from the same tribe, but then that's split into, into two. Okay. Okay. So... Um, so how, so in, so in the future, you know how the world right now is, Hashem operates this world from chesed, from kindness. When Mashiach comes, it's going to operate from gvura because right now the world can't handle gvura. Why? What's gvura? Gvura is judgment, right? So when the world is imperfect, it can't handle judgment. Can you imagine if there was an imperfect world and it was being dominated by judgment? How intense and how maybe negative that would feel, right? But when Mashiach comes, the world will be perfect. And so the world being dominated by judgment won't be negative because it can handle the judgment because it's perfect. So the judgment will never be negative. Do you get what I'm saying? But there, will be but there will be judgment, right? There will be judgment, but it's going to look so differently because when you're judging something that's already perfect, what's the outcome going to be? The outcome is going to be great, perfect, right? There's nothing to, there's nothing to correct. There's nothing to, to criticize, right? Because it's perfect. When Now, when we're living in this world, it's very imperfect. And if Hashem would be operating from a place of judgment, very rarely would we have a positive outcome because there's so much imperfection. So Hashem in his infinite kindness says, you know what? Like gvura, din, judgment is too harsh for this world. So I'm going to operate out of, I'm going to operate from my right side, right? Bring close, right? You know that famous line, bring close with your right and push away with your left, right? So um, that's how the world operates now because it's, it's too, our world is too precarious to be able to handle the judgment. When Mashiach comes, we're, we'll, we'll be able to handle it. Why? Because there's not going to be anything negative to judge. So you can, God can judge all he wants, but it's always going to have a positive outcome. So um, just a side note, the, because we know that the Levian are connected to Gevura and the Kohanim are connected to Chesed, they're actually going to do a swap when Mashiach comes. So how's that possible? Because the Levim have certain souls and the Kohanim have certain souls. So how is that going to work? How's that swap going to work? And so the Arizal says that the souls who would normally go into the Levim's body are going to go onto the Kohanim and vice versa. So the souls are going to do an automatic switcheroo. So whoever was meant to be born a Kohen now after Mashiach will be born a lady. So it's whatever, it's a side point, but it's interesting because we're, we're reiterating and we're just trying to understand the dynamics and the inner workings of the world and how everything is connected and everything is intertwined and it all is intentional, right? Everything that Hashem does is intentional. So, um, so what's happening is that the Levim, let's go back into not Mashiach times, but now times, and in the times of the Beis HaMittash. The Levim are singing, right? And when they sing, they go into this trance-like state, right? Um, and they are pining, yearning for this um, out-of-body experience, right? They, like, because Levim are gvura, right? Because they have the element of fire. So when the, when the Levium are singing, that's the result, right? They want to, they want to have this out-of-body experience. They want to have Kleis Nefesh. They want their souls to leave their bodies and connect with Hashem. Here's the problem. We all know there's a problem with this, right? Like we studied enough Tanya to know that that's not the end game right? The end game is not our, for our souls to leave the body, right? What, why would you say that? What are some of the things that we learned 
that's ding, ding, dinging in your head and be like, this is not sounding right. Alert, 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 right? What would be an example? What do we know? God doesn't want this to happen. He wants us to bring him down here. Right? He wants to be down here. What about all the chapters we spent talking about creating a dwelling place for God here in this world, right? This flies in the face of that. So how, like, how are we going to reconcile this? So here's the problem, right? Which we just said. What's the purpose of our souls leaving our body, right? We know the whole point is to do what Hashem wants. What does Hashem want? He wants a dwelling place down here in this world, right? Um, This kind of love doesn't get us there. This kind of love kind of takes us on an opposite trajectory, an opposite path of what we keep on getting drilled into our head of what Hashem wants, right? So um, So what are we trying to say here? So what we're going to kind of land on is we're trying to, we're just going to have an out-of-body experience without the action of it actually happening, okay? So how, how does this play out, okay? First of all, to, before we even come to the solution, we still want to like delve into the problem a little bit. We have this catch-22, right? What's this catch 22? So I'm going to, I'm going to bring, like, I'm going to talk about this catch 22 by first telling a story that Chase Taub uses in his Tanya class to, to explain this concept. What's the catch 22? That there was um, a Rav that his name was the Pultiver Rav. And he was a very, very, very holy, special person for 30 years, or I don't know, for most of his life, he studied Torah for the whole day. He never went home to sleep. He would always sleep on the bench of the shul. He would catch a couple hours of sleep and then get up and be able to learn right away. He didn't want to waste any time of going home, getting into bed, being so comfortable, getting out of bed, going back to shul, right? Like, he didn't want to waste any time. So when he would learn and learn and learn until he couldn't keep his eyes open anymore because he was still human, right? He wasn't an angel. And so then he would lie his head on a bench for a few hours, get up and start the process all over again. When he passed, he said on his deathbed, he said, I should have taken care. I should have taken care of my body better. Right, because he didn't pay attention to his body at all. So on his deathbed, he says, I should have taken care of my body better. And so the students were surprised by that. On your deathbed, that's that's what you're saying. And he's like, Yeah, because if I would have maybe taken care of my body better, I would have been able to live a few more days and and which would allow me to put on fill in for another day. Right? So what's the catch 22? What's the irony? What's the irony in this? That in order to have that thought on your deathbed that you wish you would have lived longer to put on fill in another day, you have to be sleeping on a bench for 40 years, right? The type of person that's going to have that thought is the type of person who isn't going to care about his body. So that's a catch-22, right? It's a lose-lose sort of, right? Because taking care of your, if he would have actually done that, if he actually would have taken care of his body better and cared about his body better and was into that stuff more, then that's not what he, that's not what he would be thinking, right? So that's the catch 22. So the soul wants to leave this world, right? The soul wants to leave this world. And then he realizes, what does Hashem really want from me right now, right? He wants me to do mitzvahs. So he has to convince his soul to go back into the body, right? But what's very, very cool about this experience is that when your soul does an about face and is almost ready to leave the body, and then it takes all the intense self-control to turn that around and have your soul come back into your body, it's not coming back the same way right? 
Basically, it's using all that longing and all that yearning that it has to leave its body and it's redirecting that longing and yearning to stay down here to accomplish what Hashem wants. So you come back with this passion and this fiery incentive to do what Hashem wants down here. Okay? So we could just say, well, what's the point? Why do we even have to have the desire to leave? If really we just need to be back here to do Hashem's will, we can just do what the other loves do, which is just stay here to begin with. But what's special about this love is that it, it's, you don't come back the same, right? You can't have that same fiery, passionate desire to do Hashem's will without that desiring passion to leave this world, okay? And that's, I'm going to bring you back to the silver and gold. So the original, um, the, the normal love we have is compared to silver because it's precious and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. But gold, gold is worth more. Gold also looks, it has that fiery look, right? It's gold. It has that yellow in it. It's fiery, right? So this unique love, it represents gold because it's a little bit more precious and it has that fire in it, right? Um, so in Perkyavos, it says, um, against your will, you will live and against your will, you will die. Okay? So you can't win right? Like lose, lose, like everything I do is against my soul's will, right? But if you think about it, when the soul comes down here and it's separated and it's, it's literally, you think of it as a trauma from the, for the soul, right? That's why we we're, we're birthed and we're crying, right? Like this is tragic for the soul. Like it's leaving its comfortability. It's leaving the, the glory of God and it's coming down here into the body, right? So it's, we don't want to be here, right? But then we, we come into this world, we live in this world, we understand, we start to understand that this is where we're meant to be. This is where we can accomplish God's real desire. Angels can't do it. Disembodied souls can't do it, right? We spoke about that a lot, how a soul needs to be within a body to do Hashem's will. So then you get like, you get used to being down here. You get used to doing what Hashem wants. You get used to understanding that this is the only way to, to really, really, really give Hashem his desires. So when it's time to die, we don't want to leave, right? Because we recognize and understand that this is where it's at, right? So it's really a lose-lose, right? Like we don't want to, we don't want to be born. Then we don't want to be, then we don't want to die, right? So this is the, this is the kind of this this passion that we have, this, the, the, the kind of journey, this soul, this kind of love is taking us on. It's, um, it's a love that surpasses the other love. Um, and it's fundamentally different because it's coming from the left side. Um, other loves are bringing Hashem closer to you in your life, right? And this love is this burning desire for you to connect to God, which by then you realize that you still have to stay embodied in a soul, but then you bring that fiery passion back into your service of Hashem. Okay. Um, any questions? I was thinking that it sounds like a battery getting recharged. Who's coughing? That's me, Sarah. Why don't I see you on? Oh, 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 here. Okay, I see you. I see you. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Tell, say it again. Uh, I was thinking that it sounded like a battery getting recharged, like yeah. coming back with a certain like energy with, and fire. Exactly. Like you can feel like you're depleted. You're done. You can't. You can't be in this world anymore. Like I've got to get out of here. And you create this big fiery passion, which kind of recharges you and brings you back to your focus with a renewed energy. Absolutely. Well, also, yes. Barbara, um, when we go to sleep, our souls go and stay with Hashem. And then he gives the, our souls back in the morning when we get up. Right. So that's so right. Like going to sleep at night is like one sixtieth of death, right? Our souls are, are getting recharged a little bit um, and getting some godly power, but that's not 
it, like you're not doing that necessarily intentionally, right? You have to go to sleep. It's inevitable. You're eventually going to have to go to sleep. This is eventually going to happen. You can't live without that recharge. The difference with this experience is that you have to be so intentional about it. You have to create these emotions through a meditation. And if you don't meditate on this, you're, it's not going to happen, right? So to create this meditation, this to me, I feel like this is the hardest of all the meditations. Like for me, like this would be the farthest in my reach because like for me to get to the place where I only care about God, that's the only thing I care about and everything else is a distraction. That would be quite a journey for me to get there. Right. Because it's hard. Like you're in this world, you're living in this world. Even if you think you, all the other loves, you can think about God and connect with him and want to be close to him, but you're still thinking about in context of being in this world. Right. You look at all the things Hashem's given you and all the things that you love and understand that that's from Hashem and that creates a love or a reciprocal love. All these loves are still using this world and creating a love. This is, a, is, is more reminiscent of awe and love together, creating this like challenge of this experience that is very, I mean, I would think a lot, and some of you might think that this is accessible and it is accessible because Tanya says so, but if I were to say personally, which meditation feels the hardest and the, the most out of reach for me would be this. Like that, it takes a lot to get to a place where you feel that you have no physical distractions, right? And that's kind of what you need to get here. But it's doable. Latanya says so. Latanya says anybody can do this, right? We just have to intentionally do it, right? This is not a law that's gonna, that, that's, in, that's in really inherent in you or you're just, it's just gonna happen by mistake. Like that's not what we're saying here. So this love is kind of like, I don't want to be here. I want to be enmeshed with Hashem. Yet Hashem wants me down here. So I'm going to force myself to be down here. Right? So it's, it's literally combining the best of both worlds of love and fear. I'm thinking, Kari, tell me if, if this ever happens to you, but I'm thinking about singing and how like, so I don't know. But I'm thinking about like preparing for the experience and then the experience happens, maybe not exactly when you're like expecting it to happen, but like you've done what to prepare for yeah. it. Like I know there's like certain parts of certain songs that when I'm singing it in a room of 200 people, like, I feel like my soul is woo up there. Yeah. And yeah. I also have, I'm singing with my body. So that's like a both up there and actively singing, doing something from my body. Um, I, so I, I hear what you're saying. So I, 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 what I think you're saying is that sometimes we could be in an environment and doing the right things to create this emotion that makes it a little bit easier to get there instead of like this intense meditation. Yeah. And so we get to this point where our soul wants to leave the body because we're so, um, inspired or we're in this environment. So what I would say about that is I a hundred percent agree. I think that's possible, but what is the catch 22 about that is that when it's an inspiration, when it's like an atmosphere, it's also quickly dissipated. Right. Mm -hmm. So then it's not as, um, you can, it doesn't really last as long and it's not as like, I guess the word I'm looking for is, um, sustainable. sustainable. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. always, okay. It always makes sense. I want to share a little something really quick about the yes. singing. <laughs> I don't know if it means a lot to everybody or to me it does. I want to get so close to God that when I'm davening, um, I, I, I totally am just davening. That's, I'm just there with God. But I don't read Hebrew mm -hmm. and I can't daven in Hebrew. But there are words and uh, not words. There are certain prayers that I have learned mm -hmm. um, that I do in English, but I do the intonation in in the Hebrew. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like Avinimalkenu yes. uh, or or Enkelokenu uh, or, you know, all those little prayers. I try so hard to just, because I can't read them in Hebrew, I read them in English, but with the... With the, right, like the transliteration. The tra- yeah. yeah. No, I no without the transliteration, I do them in English, but, or like Lechadodi on Friday night. I do the English part because I don't know how to read the Hebrew and right. I don't know the whole thing by heart, right. but I do the song. The, right, you're singing no, it. I'm English. singing it, okay, but in it. English. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> beautiful that is i mean that's literally what god wants right he wants us to pray from our heart you know any way we get there right and yes there's something to be said for praying the prayers that god wants us to pray but you're doing that by praying the prayers but the english translation of the prayers right so that's really beautiful and i think you know, that allows this deep connection to Hashem to happen when you're so, like so many of us, I'll speak for myself, but for me, like I was born with praying, I was born with reading, you know, learning how to read Hebrew, but, you know, until I got older and I had, and I was, you know, was inspired to learn about the, what the prayers were. We had a class in school that taught me the meaning of the prayers. I had no idea what I was saying. It was, it was habit. It's like, we wake up before we eat, we pray. And so I was, it's a, very superficial connection because it just was what we did. And I wasn't really invested in what I was saying because that's just kind of how it goes when you're brought up with it. So there's so much to be said for, for delving into like, so later on in life, I did study what the prayers mean and I am way more invested in it now, but there's something to be said to really, really, really understanding what you're saying because that brings so much more depth to the prayer process than just, I got to do this. So let me mumble some words and be done. Right. So thank you for sharing that with us. Cause that's a beautiful, a beautiful way to connect to Hashem. Right. It's as close as I can get in Davin. And I would argue that that's pretty close. <laughs> you know, I think that's pretty good. Um, okay. So we have this love that we, don't want to be here, but we understand how much Hashem wants us to be here. So we channel all that energy back into being here. So this world, this love is really combining the best of both worlds, right? The best of fear, the best of love. And that's why it's connected to gold because gold is more precious than silver. Okay. So, um, so to bring us back to this catch 22 situation, right? Like, The person who really, really cares about this world is the person who really wants to leave it. Think about that for a second. The person who's going to invest so much energy in making this world a better place and doing the mitzvahs and studying Torah to elevate this world is the person who inherently would love to leave this world and be close to Hashem. Right? Right. In order to get to this place where you are going to care about this world so much, you're going to want to leave it. Right. Um, So this person is much more focused and making the world a better place because he experienced this type of love that has all this fiery energy that wants him to leave. But then he made an about face and refocus all this fiery energy back into the world, right? It's pretty unbelievable, right? So when you love, when you have, when you have both parts of this love, the leaving and the coming back, the running and the returning, that's what creates this huge power, right? You can't come back with this fire, this fire, unless you try to leave. It's a little bit similar of the concept of a Balchuba, right? You can't come, you can't have the same experience with Judaism without experiencing something else, right? Like it's the coming back that, that really sets you on fire. So that's what's so special about this love. It's the leaving and then taking that energy that has you running for the hills 
and cut and using it to come back and investing it back into this world. Okay, so that's chapter 50. And we have now um, concluded this 11 chapters or 10 chapters of meditations to create myriads of levels of love, myriads of levels of awe. We have a lot to choose from. We have a lot to work with. Anyone who is in this class cannot say, I don't know what to think about, right? We have a lot of things to think about. Pick one of them, start with, start with one that um, is easiest for you, connects with you most. There's no reason to start with something that's the hardest, right? You'll just be, why butt your head against the wall? But then you'll gradually, it's like a ladder, right? You do this and then you add, you, you start with your awe, you add your love, then you go back to awe, love, awe, love, awe. And it's like the stepping ladder, but it's, you have to start from somewhere, right? So if ever you are struggling with, what do I think about? What, how do I think about God? What do I think about? How do I create awe? How do I create love? Chapters 41 through 50, pick any chapter, listen to the recording, review, you will have what to think about. Okay? So there's, so a, that, uh, there's a new um, book. I don't know if anyone's seen it. Sarah Blau's new book. Oh. It's called Close to You. Oh, no, I haven't seen it. Is it good? Well, my copy hasn't come. I heard okay. her uh, being interviewed with Michal Oshman. Oh, okay. Nice. And that, and Sarah's new book is called Close to You. And it's a bunch of small Tanya meditations. Oh, it's perfect. not a book. You're right. Exactly. Amazing. And yeah. So my copy should come tomorrow. Okay, well, we're counting on you for a review. <laughs> I'll definitely. All right. And maybe that's something that we should invest in and see if that is like, if we need a reminder of like, okay, what do I meditate on? What am I meditating on? We all are trying to right. meditate these days, right? So how cool is it to be able to take the secular concept of meditation, but infuse it with the spirituality and our, our, our values and our faith that we want to, you know, right. In, in, you infuse our life with, we can do both at the same time, which is super cool. Okay. So let's end with our meditation. Everyone get comfortable. We're going to start with um, our breathing. I'll give you a couple minutes to get into your intentional breath. What do we want to do with our intentional breath? We want to inhale by opening up our heart center, which I love kind of reminding you about that because what are we doing? We're creating this, these emotions for God. Our emotions come from our heart, whether they're from the left side of our heart or the right side of our heart, they're coming from our heart. Everything physically correlates with our emotional, spiritual experience. So if our heart is closed physically, it's going to be very hard to create these emotions. So we want to open up our heart, have some expansiveness so we can create these emotions for Hashem. So um, when you inhale, really try for your inhale to be coming from your chest instead of your gut, your chest, and open up that heart center. And when you exhale, that's what grounds you and keeps you steady and focused. That should be coming from your pubic bone. Pubic bone. So now that I finished my speech, let us take a big inhale through your chest and exhale, try to visualize and have that exhale coming from the base of your body. And I'll give you a couple, a minute or two to just really focus on your breath to make sure that your mind doesn't wander too far. Just bring your attention back to your breath. It takes a lot of focus to do this intentional breathing. That's why it takes our mind and it helps our mind stay focused.
while you're focusing on your breath, you can also kind of have this visualization of um, this bright light shining into your body. I say this every week because we want to melt the any tension that we still might be carrying in our shoulders, in our gut, in our chest, in our head, kind of pinpoint where you hold your tension and just visualize this bright shining light, just melting that all away. And since we're almost out of time, I'm gonna leave you with one well, one thought with two parts that encapsulates the whole chapter of what we've been thinking about. The strongest love for Hashem that you can have comes from the fire in your soul. It's a desire to leave your body and be one with your creator. Part two, this love won't actually inspire you to observe the Torah. But the rebound emotion of recalling your divinely allotted purpose in life will, right? So the, the, the desire to leave your body isn't going to get you to observe the Torah mitzvahs. But re, recalling and re-directing like, that fire to your allotted purpose and will, that's what gets you to serve Hashem. So that it's that rebound emotion that we're looking for. We don't want to be like our own sons that forgot the second part, right? Our own sons forgot the rebound emotion. They got stuck with that burning desire and then their souls actually left their body. What we want to do is make sure to have that rebound emotion, which then allows you to serve Hashem here in this world with that fire and passion. Um. I want you to think about this for a second. I want to think, I want you to think about what does this mean to you personally in your life? And like I say, it's going to be different for everybody. What is one small way you can implement this idea in your life? Or can you, or does it feel scary? Does it feel out of reach? Just observations I want you to have no wrong or right. I want you to bring your attention back to your breath. Please take a couple intentional breaths in through your chest, out through your pubic bone and through your gut. Okay, wiggle your fingers and toes, kind of move your body so it can reacclimate to its space. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes, take your time, there is no rush. Okay, how are we doing? Questions, thoughts, comments, feelings before we wrap up? Huge paradox. Right? It's a big deal. Very to difficult. get that, first of all, to get that fiery emotion and then have to redirect it, it's intense. Before you Very actually intense. leave your body. Before you actually actually leave your body, right? Like you've got you've to catch it before it's too late. Um, so yes, it's very intense. It's very big. Um, this is why this is chapter 50, right? We don't start here, right? We've had... 10 previous chapters that talked about different emotions and different levels of love. There's a reason why this is the last one, right? So don't think that you're jumping right into this experience and it's, and it's going to happen right for you right away. Like, I think this is a real lifetime journey, real buildup to even start to comprehend what this actually means in real life. Okay. So see you next week. Be here because it's going to be our last class. Um, but I'm actually, like, it's very, 
bittersweet, but I'm actually glad that we're wrapping up before Pesach because we're anyways, we're going to have to take a break for Pesach and to get back into it for a couple more classes. So Hashem, it, it worked out so well, like it couldn't be more perfect. And um, if there's something that you want to do in this time and space, um, let me know. Can't promise that I can do it, but <laughs> I'll take suggestions. I'm just going to Stop the recording. You mean another?